Hello and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment center in Seattle, Washington. I'm your host, Carter Umhow, a therapist, artist, and writer. Today on the podcast, we are following the theme of a few weeks ago where we talked about eating styles, and we're going to be talking in a roundtable conversation about our movement styles. So this is a way to just sort of introduce the many facets of movement and the way that we all relate really differently to being in touch with our bodies and pursuing joyful movement. So we're going to just be chatting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. Hello. So we have uh, Lexi Giblin. Hello. Karabazi. Hello, hello. And Julie Church. Hello. So how would you all describe your movement style? I'm happy to kick us off. Do you guys want me to kick us off? I I, do. As the the head of... As somebody who's thought about it a lot. (laughs) Exercise sport program. Over years. Collegiate athlete. Uh Absolutely. uh uh So the style of mover I am is I would call myself as having like a high appetite for movement. I think I might have said this in the last podcast too. My motivation is high to be moving my body. It has since I was a kid. I actually called myself a kinesthetic learner as a student. So as I was like even studying for things, I'd be kind of moving my body as I was memorizing. And then in terms of how that's done, I have quite a bit of variations. I really enjoy participating in sports. I am very drawn to that way of, of moving my body and having being on a team, having some level of competition, If that is not in my life for a period of time, I start to long for it. I can just notice. I start to feel like something's missing. If I drive by somebody doing sports together, like watching people play volleyball outdoors, or if I'm watching people play pickup basketball, I'm like, I want to be there. I like almost will introduce myself to them and play because I have such a high drive for it. Have you always been like that? Yes. With With sports. teams and Mm -hmm. With team sports. Athletics. And then certainly, I mean, I had a whole sorts of problems when I had my eating disorder, but I would say my love for sports, for playing, um, has been high. I don't actually have a high love of watching sports, but I like to participate. And then I'm really driven to be outside. Fresh air, outdoor, sun. So like any form of movement, too, that kind of is outside of that sports side, I just like being outside. So whether that's going for, you know, slow walks, gardening, I think one thing that's really challenging about our profession is we're indoors a lot and we are sitting as we're, as we're having therapy sessions. So when I have free time, I'm trying to either be outside or yeah, something that's engaging my body. Has your relationship to the way that you engage in sports and team atmosphere in particular changed over time? It sounds like that's been a consistent, but have you seen any differences throughout your lifetime? I mean, yes. So I've had a lot of trauma in sport too. So yes, there's been things that have changed, but I think the desire to play sports has stayed consistent. But what I've actually done in movement and developing a very compulsive relationship with movement within my eating disorder pulled me away from certain things. And there was ways of kind of moving away from understanding myself for that period of time. But if I get back to like my essence as a, as a mover, if, if we talk about like movement as our kind of birthright, my appetite has always been high. Julie, how would you describe your style in broad strokes? Uh, I would say that I'm a mover. So my life, like daily activities and the way that I sort of function in my tasks, in my duties, in my hobbies, they like involve moving. 
And especially as an adult, as a child, I was in more organized sports. But then as a young adult, I lost that as I graduated from those kind of structures that came from high school and even early college club sport. I kind of didn't see the opportunities and kind of prioritized career or other things above it. But I would say that even without some of those team structures, I'm a mover. But I would say that the day-to-day, there's no rhythm, there's no routine, there's, yeah. And I would say my appetite for it is high, but I don't follow that. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because I see other things. I've always, I guess, prioritized other things. In the last 20 years, I would say, that I have prioritized other things above that and haven't given that some the time, the priority, the resources, the energy in my life to put towards it. It's striking to me to hear you like claim very clearly that your appetite is high Mm -hmm. and also simultaneously Mm -hmm. that your engagement with it has been very low. Mm, totally. Like you, you sound like you know something about yourself. <laughs> I do. That yeah. is very complicated. Yeah, it is complicated. <laughs> why is that? I mean, I think I think it's if I look back at why, I think I can look at some of those logistics of like priorities and then I think the layers of the complexity lie in that as well. So early in my career working in eating disorders, I think I did a bit of the extreme of sort of like a reaction to hearing the troubled relationships with exercise and never wanted to look like I might be doing anything that was disordered and so therefore then wouldn't do it. I do think that I don't like gym environments. (laughs) I never, that wasn't a part of the things that I was, yeah, that wasn't a part of my training in my athletics as a teenager and such. So I I don't think that I like gyms anyways, but that was something for sure. And then I grew up around competitive sports from a young age and had a family member that was a professional athlete. And that piece allowed that was very complicated. And I look back as a young person and understood how that was like had pressures towards things. And I would resist it because of what I was seeing happening with (laughs) with this sibling, with my brother. And so I think that over time, I've come to accept that that impacted me in my some some seasons of not wanting to care because everyone was giving all of the attention to my brother and how much he was succeeding in it nationally and internationally. So but I was like, I don't no one needs to see what I'm doing. So even the first time I did something in my adult life, I did a triathlon and I told only my husband knew. Wow. I did all the training for it and no one knew one lick about it. Because wow. I was, there's was no way that people were going to give me any kudos for it, give me any acknowledgement for it, or support me in my training for it. <laughs> and it needed to be for me, right? Very private. Um, yeah. Yes. I told people afterwards. Yeah. But definitely I, not. I, I can imagine. Yeah. The, that's inspiring to me, actually. Well, I'd be very secretive about yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have an urge to be secret about it. Yeah. So. Lexi, what about you? How would you describe your style generally? Um, I love to move. One of my re- my potential regrets in life is I wish I was a professional athlete. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or I wish I would have spent a good part of my life doing something like that because I love to move and exercise. And so like to do that all day as a profession would be really fitting mm-hmm. for my kind of level of interest in moving and sport. But well, I made some decisions early on that didn't send me on that trajectory. Is there a particular sport that you think you would have wanted to be? Well, I was I was a swimmer growing up, but 
now I, you know, who knows? I don't really have one particular, but swimming was, was something I, I could have seen myself going into more. I don't know if you can even be a professional swimmer. Yes. Can you? <laughs> Definitely. Well, just as have, right? making that a, a career. To, I mean, the Olympics, the Olympics is oh, okay. what you're headed like, towards okay. with that. The yeah. Olympics is the highest <laughs> echelon. I think, yes. Of swimming. Yeah. So I, I love to move and just have spent a lot of time doing that in my life. And it's I use it a lot as a kind of a reset. The other day, I hadn't exercised for a few weeks because I was sick and lots was going on in my life. And then I exercised. I rode my bike and I couldn't believe how different I felt after having ridden my bike versus before. Like it was just like a, I all of a sudden had a different psychological experience. How I was looking at the world felt different. Like everything felt a little brighter. I was... I was excited about, you know, next day. I mean, everything just sort of lit up. And so exercise is really powerful for me. And I would say mm. if you saw me moving, you probably wouldn't say, oh, she's a joyful mover. I tend to like a lot of exertion. I like to push it really hard. I like endurance sports and like kind of going, pushing beyond your limit and feeling in that for a while. I've gotten into yoga at different times of my life and sometimes I'll, you know, I can't, I get frustrated in yoga classes because there's not as much exertion as I like. I like to feel like something really hit me hard and I really <laughs> overcame like the difficulty of a moment where I could have backed off, but I pushed through that whole thing is, I'm really into it. Yeah. So someone would notice maybe on your face, not that you were just like smiling oh, and it's like, more like delight pain, and pain, probably <laughs> and intensity and yeah, yeah. And I that, love to like say that you're talking about it because, like that kind of way of and style of moving can happen without it being wrapped up in an, a disorder. I feel like even how you notice that when you do it after a period that you haven't, that something psychologically shifts, but you're not, again, it's not from a place of compulsivity that you're relieving anxiety in a kind of disordered way. Yeah. Well, and, but I do feel like I have more of like a routine and mm -hmm. I kind of stick, I like to fit in workouts, mm -hmm. but it's not, it, I'm not, you're not rigid, freaked though. out if I don't get the plan done. Right. That speaks to my next question about rhythms and your weeks or your months. Julie, you said you're not really exercising much or yeah, have go, no gone through periods. Yeah. The current one? There's no right rhythm now? at all. Yeah. No. For the last 20 years. Until I, like since I've had a coach. You have a coach? No. No, since 20 years ago when she had a coach. I was like, wait, what? She She's going to hire events. a coach after this. No. <laughs> that was, we, oh, I know. the three of us Opalites had a little uh, a, a yes, stint where we founders. had a. Yep. What, are, what did you have? <laughs> I know, a personal trainer that came in and kind of guided us. It was a couple mornings a week mm -hmm. within the first year or two. Yeah, because yeah, we just felt like just it was, we were doing so much together. We also kind of wanted to sweat together. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yes. So yeah. it was, we were, yeah. So. Mm. But yeah, I think for me, it's more of this like, oh yeah, I want to do it right now. And then if the scenario sort of sets itself up for it, then I will do it. But I'm not going to schedule it or time it or very, very um, recently I like went to a volleyball open gym thing, you know, <laughs> and it was like re-engaging with one of my high school sports. So that was a structure. But mm -hmm. it's not something I've put in my calendar and therefore I got childcare and made sure no one else had anything else scheduled for it. And therefore I was there. 
Definitely no. not. No. Okay. Not my kind of <laughs> Which I would scheduling. say, I mean, I, don't, I, I hope this is okay to say, but I think one of the barriers is just that you are like the other centeredness you have in your family too, of like having people do mm-hmm. the things that they want to do, which then takes up time. Yes, which ironically, so then, maybe or applicably, are all sports. <laughs> right, is <laughs> like all oh, of the things all, I'm going to, or that my sports. family is involved with, is sports that then keeps me from doing sports. Right. <laughs> so, I would say that it's like very athletic, sport focused. If it's watching the Packers on the TV, or it's at my kids' little league games, or supporting that my husband is going coaching so that I can be at home with the smaller kid. You know, it's yes. a lot. A lot of it. If I were to trickle down a lot of what's going on, it's gets in the way of it. Lexi, you said you do schedule things in and are pretty routine about it. <clears throat> yeah, I mean I have I have rhythms like I usually have some athletic endeavor that I'm shooting for, mm-hmm. you know, like this summer I'm doing this and so then I'm I'm training to get prep for that. So I usually have something like that on the docket and then my training is structured around prep for that. And yeah, I try to get some exercise in between work and going home because my mindset just shifts. I'm able to relax in a way that I wouldn't be able to otherwise. So like I like to do something before I settle in for the evening of dinner, making dinner and such. So that's a pretty consistent piece. I spend a lot of time walking around Green Lake. (laughs) I mean, I can't tell you how many incredible conversations I've had with friends around Green Lake over the last, you know, 25 years. So that's a common, I'll meet you at Green Lake, you know, but near the, near the stadium and then we'll go, you know, that's a common rhythm in my weekly, weekly life. And then my family um, is always going about some athletic thing. And so as a family, we join in and do it together. And I do a lot of watching of sports too. I like watching sports a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All three of you are nodding a lot. Oh, just we know yeah. how much she oh, likes okay. watching sports. Yeah. She's yeah. a big um, March Madness fan. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Heard you talk about it a lot. Yeah. So I enjoy watching it, and I love watching my daughter's sports. I totally get into it. I'm like a super fan of all of her teams. Yeah. So when we were talking previously about eating styles a few weeks back on the podcast, I think we were talking a good bit about how those styles developed over time, not just how they changed, but you know, with the basis of our understanding of eating being attuned eating, how would you all think about that in terms of movement? Well, one that I connect to recently is I was feeling avoidant of exercise because I'd taken such a few weeks break. Because of my past experience with exercise, I knew that if I just sort of break the seal, that it would become naturally um, rewarding. So I just pushed myself to just do the one ride and then see where you're at. So it was kind of an attuned to my past experiences yeah. mm-hmm. and therefore making a decision to push, even though I didn't really want to in the I moment. Like I'm curious about that because you said like that there's a seal to break. And I really relate to that. And I mm-hmm. feel like I've heard a lot of people talk about that in kind of more pop culture around you know, I haven't worked out for so long. I've got to go to the gym. I know it always feels good on the other side, but I don't want to go. You're talking about that in a way that sounds very attuned and like it's taking care of yourself. But what do you think that is about to not want to for a few weeks? It's a, Isn't it's that a great question because yeah. it just felt like a barrier. Like, oh, I can't. But then like today, I'm super excited to play basketball tonight. And it probably is because I rode my bike yesterday. 
there's some there's momentum some, that's built. some momentum or, or like I connect up with the pleasure. And so it makes it so easy to keep going once you get it going. It's like such a pleasure thing. Because mm. you're still riding the high of the experience the day before. So then you want to experience that again. If you take time off, then it just, the pleasure is more distant. So you don't connect up with it as much. Mm. The thing that I was thinking about was I went through such a period of time of having such, you know, zero attunement because it was so compulsive and my relationship with running. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of funny to think about how, like I said, my my pleasure, my appetite um, has always been drawn towards that, but then how that broke off into this really compulsive relationship and then coming back into having, I think that's what motivated me though to do the work around my relationship with running because I knew that it, it was really like a part of the essence of who I am. And so I, I didn't want to end the story there of just like, it's over. Like a lot of, unfortunately, I think people promote that once you're disordered with some type of movement, you can't get back into a, a good relationship with it. And so that hasn't been the case for me where I've been able to really change my relationship with running. And I think when I think of my attunement now, what comes to mind is the decision-making tree that I find myself often as whether I want to take a nap or go for a run when I have some free time and to take care of myself, those are often the two that come to, to mind right away. And I choose both of them. I mean, one, you know, or not the same time. Like sometimes <laughs> I take the nap and sometimes I go for the run and both can meet a need. And, and if I had my perfect ideal experience, it would be actually getting the nap and the run. <laughs> but sometimes one gets sacrificed. But um, it feels like, yeah, those are attunement choices of taking care of myself. Julie, what about you? I think for me, the, it's kind of more related to my psychological and emotional experience with thinking about all these layers of barrier is what I would say is more of the attunement work. That's where my mind goes is like the attunement of knowing myself and knowing really what are those things that are present, I guess, in the moment around exercise or my reactions or thoughts around different sports or opportunities to move and why I might react to that more than this one, you know. Even like a group, we, you know, Kara and I did a group run training thing with some friends and I had a whole emotional, whole experience with that because there was this invitation. It was going to be very social. It was all these people doing it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> why in the world? You know, <laughs> why would you do that? Why running? Why that? Can we socialize in a different way? Like I just was having, you know, so I just find it that's like, if it's a tune, it's like having to stay in that work of recognizing what are you reacting to? Why is this? Why, you know, mm -hmm. some people are like, it's just because that's that's fun. Like I'm like, oh, it's not that fun and simple to me <laughs> to have a group of girlfriends go to do a half marathon. You know, like that's not simple and fun to me. So that really doesn't sound simple to me. <laughs> fun, fun, maybe <laughs> under some circumstances, but simple. Uh, is not, I don't and know. Interestingly, it's simple psychologically. Yeah. For me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, that's yeah. like those things. I'm like, I, I know I can do that. Like, who cares? Like, I can totally do it. I, yeah. it psychologically yeah. and emotionally, I had to go. I had to do a lot of work around that. Mm -hmm. It's so. funny. She's referencing this half marathon that we trained for because that was also mm. what I remember my work in that was training for a race with friends and, and more in a social way. And that was the first time I'd ever done that without just training to be, to do a PR, to have my best time. So having to run slower on all these training runs. And I would still mark that as one of the big lessons I learned of like learning how to do that and, and coming away from that. And it's kind of started a pathway of really feeling 
able to just change pace with friends to socialize and feel more ease with it. It was uncomfortable in that that experience because it was new, it was novel, but it turned out that that opened another door for me of of socializing on a run and 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 not being as worried about my pace. <laughs> Generally speaking, do you all have find yourselves wanting to do things alone versus with other people? I feel like that's sort of been talked about a little bit, but is it generally for yourself? I sound like a total isolated exerciser, don't I? <laughs> yeah, you do sound like that. But I actually, no, the things I actually enjoy doing, I would much rather do with people. Really? Like totally. what? Golf, kayak, walk. I mean, volleyball, edit, dance, go out dancing. I'd do it all with Ooh. anyone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather do that. I don't want to do that alone. Yeah. But it's, yeah. I would say I, I have pretty strong needs for both solitary and for social. When I think of my weekly rhythm, it involves both. So like running, I have a couple weekly dates <laughs> that are social, and then I have some solitary, and then basketball, of course, is social. But I like both. Yeah, and I'm more of a both. I love being on teams, and I like walking with people. Walking alone just doesn't float my boat. And I, I, when I'm really pushing myself, I'd probably rather be alone in that. I love being on teams if I can find a team to be on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, you Carter, what, uh, tell us about you. What are you like as a mover? I feel like I'm trying to think about that a lot lately. This conversation, I think, comes at a good time. I haven't said this on the podcast yet, but as you all know, I don't work at Opal anymore. I'm working in private practice, which means my schedule is wildly different. And it means that my rhythms are really different. And my, yeah, I'm I'm just kind of getting to know myself again in what do I do with an open day? Or do I like to work in the morning versus at night versus this versus that, that? Like there's a lot of option, which is really good because I think I do know myself pretty well. But there are new things to figure out. And one of them, like I, I feel like my relationship to movement has been been very neglected for, I don't know, four, five years or so. I think my MO is to be pretty avoidant of it. I don't feel a lot of tension about it. I just don't think of it at all. (laughs) Um, I don't think of it at all or think like, oh, I'm feeling this, therefore a walk could be nice, or I'm feeling this, and therefore like I really want to go swim or something. I like to swim. I like to walk. I just never put two and two together as <laughs> like my first line of action. And I think that that is maybe I'm learning that that's maybe been more of a reflection of like kind of a hierarchy of needs over the last very busy years that it's like the first thing to go. And I think in the future, if I came across another very busy time in life, I would probably try and reorient myself and build it in more. Mm-hmm. But my my MO is definitely to forget about it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it so much. And I have I've said this a lot on the podcast before, but I have a lot of chronic pain issues. And I think that as I explore that, there's certainly some um some structural things going on in terms of my actual spine and alignment and all this sort of thing. But it's also, I think, holding so much in all the time mm-hmm. and not ever having much release. So exercise is supposed to help with that (laughs) and it does and I still don't think to do it so my relationship with movement at this point has been also very much like my relationship to my pain Mm -hmm. too 
So does it seem like work when you think of it that it that what Lexi was talking about yeah. that initial decision making point? And does it feel effortful to think about doing it? Yes. Yeah. And I've said this off air before, but I'm obsessed with the Enneagram right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am learning more and more about myself as a nine and as a nine that enneagram type which is a personality type is defined by a like a a large effort to avoid like that is one of the main desires so like taking in so much externally that there's a need internally to like sort of create Mm -hmm. space and so when I move I feel more I think more I desire more I get mad (laughs) I suddenly am like oh my god this is so fun I love it I think I should change all these things in my life so I could like walk more or you know I just get like I feel a lot more which is great when I have time to address that but yeah because you're connecting more with the body and the somatic stuff right yeah so if I'm not connecting in life I'm not thinking to move. Yeah. But if I feel like I have the space and energy to connect myself, I am. It's a <laughs> lot of psychological work like you, Julie. I, I'm now, just like, yeah. it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> it's I would really love to do like an Enneagram with movement. Mm. <laughs> I know. Mm. Assessment. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I keep seeing, I keep reading all this stuff about the Enneagram. And, and for the nine, they always say like, move, exercise. That's the antidote. Move. Do it. Which, you know, could, of course. A fun side note, my husband's a nine, and he, was, you know, has the record in the 10K at the University of Washington. Nice. But he, since leaving, he's had a, he, it's, he's been pretty avoidant. Yeah. Like, like we talk about, movement can be really compulsive. It can become really disordered. And like you said, Julie, I related to that idea of, um, feeling so worried that I was going to be seen as disordered as I've been working in this field that I've frozen myself up in all these ways. But actually, I'm like, you know what? I need external structure or else I am disconnected. I'm so disconnected. So I I have I feel more trust in myself mm-hmm. to just listen and respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to talk about weight. As it relates to exercise. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, just a light topic. <laughs> um, my experience of exercise is that I, my weight does not seem to correlate with the amount I'm exercising. And I think about that over the course of my life. And I don't think that I lose weight when I'm exercising more or, or gain it when I'm not. I think I just, I don't think that that's a, it doesn't feel like it's a factor. So it's interesting when listening to Kara's gray areas podcast, I was like, yeah, I don't think, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a thing for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but the only correlation I've had with my weight is when I train for a run, like if I train for a running race, which I haven't in a really long time, my body gets a little bit bigger. I don't really know since it's been 20 years for her. <laughs> 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 I mean, to be honest, so I have no idea Who what knows? would happen if I had some rhythm and consistency of something. Yeah. I, I have no idea. I yeah. can say in my preteen body and my teen body what I saw, but that's totally, I do not think that that's relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably <laughs> so. not. An interesting thing, though, I would say, Julie, about with you and body and, and movement is that whole notion that you can't tell what somebody's doing with exercise if you just look at their body. Because I think a lot of people would look at Julie's body and assume certain things about what she's doing with exercise that aren't true. And my avoidance, like when I'm not exercising too, as my body 
seems to naturally lose weight when I do exercise. Mm -hmm. And that has been pretty consistent. And I'm fearful of that with the history of an eating disorder. And I'm also, I think, like had to sort of parse apart the ways that I experience my body when I'm not moving too. How do I actually feel about the way that my body looks and looks and feels to me based off of what I know and how I know I'm taking care of myself or not? Because it's complicated because for me at historically, and this I'm so open to this changing in the future, but historically my weight is higher when I'm taking care of myself less. And so if I look in the mirror taking care of myself less in movement and denying that I have a lot of pain and should be moving some. So I look at myself in the mirror during those times and know like, oh, I'm not taking care of myself. And I'm not necessarily associating that with like, oh, I'm fat or, oh, I need to or I have to. But I think that over the years, that's been part of me sort of parsing things out and parsing out some of my body image that, yeah, it's, it's not just related to the negative feelings I have because of a certain weight, it's actually that I know that my rhythms and my my way of taking care of myself has these certain patterns. Yeah. And I've been sort of watching what I do at different times and what my body does. So it's very complicated. Yeah. yeah. It's cool to see that within the four of us represented that even in that conversation about weight as it relates to exercise, we all four have different experiences. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many variables. Mm-hmm. Or a good sample size or sample <laughs> whatever <laughs> examples. Sample example. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we've scratched the surface and it's crazy in a conversation like this to to begin and to talk for a while and to realize there's so much to say. So if anyone has any more questions for us or wants us to delve back into any particular realms of this conversation, feel free to reach out to us. You can DM us on Instagram. You can talk to us on Twitter. Like I said, we're on Facebook as well. And we'd love to be in touch. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. And thanks to Jack Straw Cultural Center for Sound Engineering, to Aaron Davidson for the Appetite's original music, and to Hans Anderson for editing. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you think of it, if you have any time, please go ahead and write a review of the podcast in your preferred podcast app. That can be a wonderful way for others who are interested in our material to find us more easily. Talk to you next time. Bye.